Hey y'all, it's Amelia Rose and welcome to Say La Me. So before we get started, I do want to say I am a little bit sick. I have been staying home, but if my voice sounds any different or whatever, please excuse that. But I want to record because I love podcasting. So we're going to continue to record. So sorry if my voice sounds a little bit different. But anyway, um, yeah, I hope you've been having a great week. I have, like, it's been a very interesting week, but something that has happened that's made it like really really good is that Taylor Swift dropped a new album. I I saw the post like literally five minutes after she posted it, um, which was funny. I just like woke up and um, checked my phone, which I know it's not the best habit, but in this case it served me well. So anyway, um, yeah, I was very excited because it was like she said like I'm very excited to announce my like night studio album, and I'm like what? <laughs> I'm like I was still kind of sleepy, so I was like this has got to be. A joke and it is not a joke so um yeah really excited through the whole day and I was planning on listening to the album at midnight when it drops whatever like I did with folklore but um I was starting to feel sick and I was like I I want I want to be smart and I want to be healthy so let's go to bed let's get some sleep and the album will still be out in the morning you know and so I listened to it yesterday morning and so I want to share my thoughts uh shout out to Jillian from the kind of relatable podcast because she's the one who kind of suggested that I do this and I'm really glad she did because um I was definitely gonna mention the album but I wasn't planning on doing like a track by track um review but that's what we're doing and I'm very very excited about it I've like written out everything I want to say and it took me it took me like a while guys it took me a long time to write out everything I had to say because I have a lot to say so There are several ways you can listen to this episode. You can just, like, listen all the way through. But I suggest if you haven't heard the album or if it's been a little bit since you've heard the album, um, definitely go... You can, like, listen to a song and then go and see what I have to say about that. And then listen to a song, see what I have to say about that song. Because that would be, like, the best kind of experience. But if you don't want to go through all that work, like, don't do that. Um, You can just listen to what I have to say. So, just suggestions of how you can listen to this episode but yeah feel free to just listen all the way through I don't really care how you listen um I'm glad you're here so (laughs) that's good but yeah we're gonna go ahead and get into it because it is I have a lot to say so yeah okay so uh Evermore opens with the first track which is Willow so this song it opens with a very folklore-esque guitar arrangement so I love how um Evermore doesn't start super contrasting to folklore it kind of it kind of feels like you could listen to folklore and then evermore just in a continuous loop and like it would be really cohesive um but the vocals come in in the verse and they actually sound like deep and mysterious and like kind of foreboding but then at the chorus they start to brighten up and the song sounds like really catchy and i love how breathy her vocals are in the chorus i think it's really cute um but lyrically the song mixes like whimsical imagery with ordinary everyday things like uh she references willow trees which are really fairy tale like in one verse and then a champion ring which does not evoke a um a dream like scene in your mind like a champion ring for me it's like you went through blood sweat and tears to get that um so she references that in another verse and just kind of the contrast of that works really well um that's something that i love to do in my writing um I just, I love that because, I don't know, I just, I like it, so I guess you don't need a reason other than that. 
but um I just really love the course in this one it's like really lighthearted. and the line that's my man it sounds like she's bragging on her boyfriend which to me that's one of the most adorable things I can think of in a relationship just the two partners being like so proud of each other um unless it's way too much we all know those people who are like especially girls who are like bragging on their boyfriends like kind of rubbing it in your face like I have him and you don't um and it becomes like really annoying um but in this case it's the right amount um so this song actually has a music video which also premiered at midnight and so the music video for this one is super beautiful i love how it opens right where cardigan left off and then it has a glowy gold string from invisible string in it as well um there's part in the video where taylor's on this pedestal and she's playing guitar and then she sees her man and she's immediately like trying to find a way out of her pedestal like box thing that they put her in which i thought was a great piece of imagery for like fame and love and it's like in the video she didn't look unhappy playing guitar there she actually looked oh like this is great and then she sees her man she's like oh no i want i want him i don't you know i want to get out you know um which i thought was kind of cool and it was really touching, um, that, that scene, so, yeah, I really, really enjoyed the song, and I thought it was, like, a really perfect opener, um, Evermore definitely has a much happier opener than Folklore, I remember Folklore opens with a song called The One, and I remember just, like, I don't know, (laughs) it, like, sucked all the joy out of me when I heard that one, because it was just so, like, ugh, like, I thought that she and her boyfriend had broken up, or I just thought, that something bad had happened, and it was just so depressing, but this one is super cute, so I'm just kind of like, okay, this, this opener is making me feel a little more hopeful for the album than the other one did, so. Okay, so the next track is Champagne Problems, so when I saw the track list before the album came out, I was very, very intrigued by this title, because it sounded really luxurious, and it also had this, like, air of dismissiveness, I don't know if that's actually a word, but it sounds right, so you know what I mean, um, but, like, the problems in the song are, like, trite or unimportant, or, like, oh, champagne problems, those are problems for rich people who, like, aren't in touch with reality, whatever, um, but dang, (laughs) the problems in the song are crushing, like, they are very important, um, but I love songs that tell a story, and the little details in this one make the story of a rejected proposal, like, so vivid, so there's a line about a guy's mom's ring in his pocket, and him on the train alone, at night his sister having bought a bottle of champagne and all his friends and family are like ready to celebrate but there's no party um all of it is really great and I find you have to be super skilled to have so many details in a four minute song so that's just great songwriting um but two of my favorite lines are the one about not knowing the answer until someone is on their knees asking you which is just like terrifying to be honest like if you're dating someone and then they propose and all of a sudden it's like so clear and you're like no like that's awful. I don't really think that that would happen to me, but I have no clue. Um, but I really doubt it. I feel like I would know before, um, the proposal. I hope so, because that would just be so awful. Um, but yeah, that's one of my favorite lines, and then also the one about the guy having a speech prepared, but now he's speechless. Like, that's put in so quick, but it's just like, ugh, it like hurts you so much. But musically, it has some of the same vibes as, like, her song from, uh, her song New Year's Day. But it's kind of like it's inverted because it's really sad because the ending is a little bit hopeful because the girl is saying to the guy, um, that he'll find someone in the future. He won't remember the heartbreak. Um, but in New Year's Day, it's more like, I remember the heartbreak, but, like, you make it better. So there's kind of that parallel, but it's also just a really sad song. Um, but the funny thing is in this song and a story, I didn't hate either of the characters, um, I felt like they were both pretty sympathetic, like, I felt bad for the guy who got, um, 
who got rejected, but I also feel bad for the girl who rejected him, because it's like, it didn't seem like she was out of spite, just being like, you're not good enough for me, and like, saying no to the proposal, it sounded like she really did not know, um, which, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I don't know, it's just, it's sad, I feel like they were both really sympathetic, and like, maybe they both made mistakes, you know, um, so yeah, it was a really good song, it's, kind of funny I think it's ironic that it's called champagne problems when really the problems are just like they're awful they're huge and they're not just like problems for rich people you know um so yeah I love that song so now I really want champagne <laughs> but the next track is gold rush so I saw that Jack Antonoff tweeted some of the lyrics of the song before it was released um and I was especially attentive when it came on I really wasn't sure which one it was but I kind of I thought that someone, like, confirmed that it was Gold Rush, but anyway, I was, like, looking for the lyrics that he tweeted, but, um, I love how the melody kind of adds a deeper meaning to the lyrics, um, that's also something that I love, like, um, I know in Out of the Woods, how it, um, keeps saying, it's very repetitive and very quick, and Taylor said she wanted that melody to reflect the anxiety she was feeling in a relationship, and so stuff like that, where the melody really, adds a deeper meaning to the lyrics I love that so I've been loving like all of the songwriting and musical aspects of this album so uh the first verse in Gold Rush is daydreaming about a lover and the vocals are super dry out and breathy and the way it's been mixed they echo and they sound like dreamy um with the line I almost jump in and then the chorus breaks in with the line but I don't like a gold rush and the melody sounds a lot more matter of fact and repetitive and the vocals almost sound as if Taylor is talking and not singing it's kind of like you know how you talk in your head um if you talk in your head how you're like we're not going to do this because this is not good or we're going to do this because you have to like if you're convincing yourself or reminding yourself of something like if you're convincing yourself to like do schoolwork or do work or whatever when you don't want to it's kind of like a reminder and so the way she's like I don't like a gold rush gold rush I don't blah 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 it sounds like she's reminding herself like do not fall for it it's not worth it you know um and so the song kind of plays with this breathiness and matter of fact reminding vocal thing um it, it goes back and forth between daydreaming and reality and I think that's just genius songwriting and I love that it's it's like so simple but so effective and so this song actually reminds me of like an evermore version of gorgeous from reputation um and so I love that song but it's more uh vulnerable it's not so much like flirty and um you know just funny it's more like I really want to fall for you, but, like, I, I can't because it's just not right, you know, um, so I really, really like this, I thought that it was, it was simple, and I also loved the imagery of a gold rush, like, I don't know, it's just cool, it's stuff, stuff that I probably wouldn't think of, and I always love being introduced to something that maybe I've thought about the concepts, but I've never thought about how to put that in a song, so I think that's really, really fun. Alright, so the fourth song on the record is Tis the Damn Season. So Taylor actually teased this in some sort of promotion of some photo shoot she did, um, and we didn't know it yet. We didn't know it was a song because it was um, not released yet and not even announced, and I thought in her post, I thought that that was kind of funny, and I just thought it was like, oh, Christmas time, yeah, tis the season whatever. No, it was not. Um, also, Aaron Destiner tweeted song lyrics from the song, so I was trying to look for those as well. Um, okay, so the opening guitar in the song is beautiful. I, it's just awesome. I don't know how to describe it, but I love it. 
I don't know. Just go listen to the song if you've listened to the song. Like, do you, don't you agree? I think it's gorgeous. So anyway, I love that. But the lyrics kind of sound like ones from her Reputation album. In the sense that in the song, she's cautiously, like, falling in love with someone. It's, like, the beginning stages of love. Which, that was a theme in Reputation. Um, there are also a lot of lines in the song where she says, We could do this or we could do that. Uh, sort of situation. So that kind of feels like it parallels her song Lover because in Lover she starts out the verse by saying we could leave the Christmas lights up till January and then also she says we could let our friends crash in the living room. And so I felt like it was very similar to this song or this song was very similar to Lover. Um, it's kind of a melancholy song which is great because I don't know, it's com- it's more complex than just, like, one emotion, um, and so when I'm listening to this, I can't quite make up my mind whether I ultimately feel happy listening to the song, or if I feel sad, and I think that that's kind of the point, um, so well done with that, because it's confusing, but in the best way, so it just kind of feels like it's all of these memories, it's, like, not your own memories, but somehow you relate it to your life, and then it's, like, conflicting feelings, and it's a love that's young, but it's also painful, and I feel like young love that's painful is, like, so complex, because if you feel like, I don't know, if love is in the beginning of stages, and it's, like, it's kind of, like, you think about about it as, like, puppy love, or just the good things of love because you're, like, on the honeymoon stage or whatever of love, if it's also painful in that stage, it's, like, very, it's hurtful, and it's complex, confusing and it's complex and so I feel like any song that has to deal with that is like automatically going to be more complex than just your average song so uh this song is really rich with emotions and I mean this whole album really is but especially this song so I really really appreciated more of the complexities of this song all right so the next song is tolerated This is Taylor's track 5 on Evermore, which is traditionally where she's put the saddest or the most vulnerable song on all of her albums. Um, That's kind of what she's done throughout her career, and her fans are like, track 5, they're always talking about track 5. So I was really ready to cry, like, hard for this one. And let me tell you, it is very, very sad. Um, It talks about how the person you love most and the person you're showing all, all of this extra effort for is just, like, tolerating the love you're so excited to give them. And it's really pretty awful. It starts off with a piano, which is, to me, a sure sign that the song is probably going to be a sad ballad. Um, It talks about how she watches her lover and notices how he doesn't even care about her efforts. Um, It's really, really sad. And the line, I know my love should be celebrated, but you tolerate it, is just horrible. So, yeah, I don't know. There are are no mixed feelings about the song. It's just plain sad. Um, It's just like the person you care about the most and the one you're always getting the extra 100 miles for you or for doesn't even think of you, and that's sad. I think we've all had some sort of experience with this, you know, people you wish, you know, paid attention don't, or people, um, it just kind of, like, you add all these little inflections of things, and it just kind of, like, flies over their heads, and it's just, like, not as special as, you know, you want it to be, or whatever, um, Also, the line, now I'm begging for footnotes in the story of your life, is especially sad, because she points, she kind of paints the picture of, like, what the relationship was like before and what it's become, so it it kind of starts out as, you know, this passionate, good thing, and then it's kind of, like, gone into this, like, complacent version of it, you know, and, you know, whereas, like, one person is very excited about it, the other person is just kind of like, meh, you know, it's mundane, it's just kind of, It's almost like their love is bothersome, you know, which is horrible, just horrible, my gosh, 
Um, so yeah, and I think something that makes it even sadder is for most of these songs, you can't distinguish what's actually going on in real life and what's a story Taylor just imagined in her head. So that's what I was thinking with folklore. <laughs> and that's what made me sad for weeks after listening to it because I was like, what is real, what is not, you know, whatever. Um, and I kind of think that that's what makes it so emotionally compelling. It's just like, wow, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I don't know, it's hard. So this song was very sad and it's just, I don't know just hopeless, and it kind of reminds me of those British TV shows, where it's like, the, like, rich spouses are just emotionally distant, and it's just horrible, and they go down for afternoon tea, and, like, no one, um, I don't know, they're they're just kind of living their life, and it's not even really that great, and it's just kind of, oh, I'm so bored of someone, they're just always flitting around, and, you know, whatever, um, so it was kind of like these sad, like, rich people. I don't know. That's what it painted for me. So very, very sad. All right. So the next song is Nobody, No Crime. Whoa, guys, this song was like uh, my favorite murder episode in like song form. It was probably the most country sounding song on the album, which is fitting because I feel like a lot of country songs are like about getting revenge on cheating exes and family problems and stuff like that. So I was very surprised in like the best way when I heard this one. Uh, She collabed with, I think their name is Haim. I feel bad if I'm, um, butchering that name, um, on the song, and the opening was really freaky with, like, the sirens and the he did it line, um, <laughs> I probably butchered that as well, but it's super ominous, and so it's just kind of, like, get ready, you're gonna get, you're gonna hear this great story, and, like, you better be ready for it, like, prepare yourselves, buckle your seatbelts, everyone, um, I also really love how this one tells a story in, like, classic country style, um, also, the use of the word ain't numerous times in the song is great. I loved hearing Country Taylor again, like, getting revenge, because I became a fan of her when she was still in country, um, country form, when she was still a country artist, and so, um, it was just really, really fun to hear that. And so, the last chorus, it just flips everything around in just the most amazing way. I also love that, so that's another, like, this album was full of, like, my favorite, like, plot devices and um, storytelling, you know, mechanisms, I, it was just, it's, like, all my favorite things, and she's, like, let's do it, let's put it in an album, you know, for Amelia Rose, no, I'm kidding, um, but I just, like, I was, like, cheering every time there was something that I personally love to use, I'm just, like, yes, you did it, so it's just great, um, also the details in the song are just perfect, like, about the husband getting brand new tires, and the narrator's glad about getting a boating license when she was 15. It's just, like, it builds up the drama. Uh, the tune was almost taunting when she says, I think he did it, but I, I just can't prove it. Um, and so, I love the last line of, she thinks I did it, but she just can't prove it. Because, and also, Taylor's voice gets, like, kind of sassy in that part. So, uh, yeah, this was definitely a departure from the rest of the songs on the record. It's almost like a Mad Woman 2.0. It's like, if you make the woman, like, super mad, like, this is what happens, so watch out. Um, and also, it's kind of like a Before He Cheats version of, you know, Carrie Underwood's song, but, like, very amped up because it involves murder. <laughs> and it was, it was just really, really cool. I very much enjoyed that, and it was super fun to listen to. Okay, so the track after No Body, No Crime is called Happiness. Okay, guys, I think this was my favorite song on the album. Uh, granted, I did just listen to it yesterday, but wow, I think it's my favorite. Um, it's a really mature look at a past relationship that still holds a lot of pain for both parties. Um, and apparently Taylor wrote this one a week before the album came out, so that's 
just amazing in and of itself. Um, it's like a hindsight view of her record label relationship and the whole master situation. Um, at least that's what I think it's about. Um, it's a really complex song. I started crying when she quoted The Great Gatsby in it because I love that book and the reference adds a whole new level of meaning to the song. Like, it's a throwaway sentence, I hope she'll be a beautiful fool, but it's so full of hurt that, like, the only way to say it is in a distant, flippant way, otherwise you're gonna, like, break down or too much truth gets in, um, and it's too hurtful, so if you say it in a distant and flippant way, that's the only way you can get your message across, which, um, when pain is communicated like that, that's probably the deepest form of pain, because it's, like, the only way to say it is in a way, like, you don't care, you know, um, and so in the song, she acknowledges her hurt and her anger, but also goes deeper that in, into that raw hurt and, like, the betrayal of everything, as she talks about her evolving into a new person, which she hasn't quite figured out yet, and I love that because I feel like a lot of times nowadays people think you have to have an opinion on a certain thing, and there's no room to be confused or to consider the options or to mull something over. It's like, like, quickly, like, in the speed of light, you have to have one opinion, and if you change your mind on that, I've, I've podcasted about this before, but if you change your mind, you're, like, a hypocrite or whatever, so I love that there's this aspect of, like, mulling something over and figuring it out, so, um, there's, like, fondness, and there's hurt, and there's memories and sadness, and it all mingles in the most touching way, it's, like, just externally processing, but in, like, a very poetic, beautiful Grammy-worthy, uh, format, you know, I do think this song deserves Grammy because I love it, um, to be honest, I feel like this track should have been track five, uh, to me, it's sadder than tolerated, but I still think they're both really sad, and I just feel like this one hits closer to home because I've had situations where I've had to decide how I think about something, and I've had a lot of mulling overnights of, you know, what, what do I feel about this person now? And it's like when pain starts to fade away, it's like, I don't want to just excuse someone who's caused me pain, but I also don't want to harbor it, you know, especially if it was someone, um, who was really close to me or someone who is a good person or was a good person in my eyes. So that happiness, um, also very ironic that the song's called happiness because it's not happy. Um, and it's, (laughs) I sounded like the guy from, uh, was it The Incredibles? I'm not happy, Bob. Anyway, um, but yeah, this should have been track five in my opinion, but, um, I'm not disappointed by Tolerate It at all, but this one did hit closer to home, and so I felt like it was sadder than Tolerate It. Alright, the next song is Dorothea. Um, this is like a second version of Betty to me because of the perspective and the voicing with all of like the small town references and knowing the character from school and growing up and whatever. Uh, it's really nice and I love walking through a character's memories in a way that's really casual and it's kind of like feel good. I feel like a lot of times when we look into our own memories, unless it's of a super happy time, if it's like a conflicting time, it can be kind of like a downer. So it's really nice to look through someone's memories in a way that's flippant and just kind of like, woo, like, you know, like the happy-go-lucky tone of the song is really welcome. It's a really welcome pick-me-up after the absolute tragedy that is happiness, which that sentence sounds so wrong, but listen to that song and tell me you don't agree. Like, I dare you. It's it's the saddest thing ever. Um, But yeah, I imagine Dorothea being sung from the perspective of a guy in like his early 20s in old blue jeans with like the hymn that's like a little too long. And 
um, vintage t-shirt and like a pickup truck with like this devil may care attitude. Uh, just a really fun guy to be around and just kind of seeing things in a way that's like, yeah, I miss you. And like, if you ever feel like you want to come back, like come on back, you know, um, it's kind of like a cheesy rom-com situation. Like I could, I feel like I could make a movie, um, from just this song, Dorothea. And then, you know, in the end credits, Dorothea would be playing and it would be like perfect. Um, but yeah, I think this song is really great. It's really fun to listen to. Um, as far as any deeper meaning, I don't know. I just had fun with this song. So, um, maybe going back and listening to it, I would find like little, you know, hints of this and that, and I can, you know, figure out a deeper meaning from it. But for me, it's just, just a fun song to listen to. Hey guys, it's sponsor time. This episode is presented by Curator. Curator is an all-encompassing curated lifestyle membership for the modern woman. With style expert Rachel Zoe at the helm, Curator delivers membership value via the curated lens of confidence, convenience, and community. Curator delivers coveted name brand fashion, beauty, and home essentials right to your door every season. Each seasonal box of style includes five pieces to elevate your style. The new winter curation features products from trailblazing female founders and designers to help you feel a bit more chic and confident this holiday season. Become a member now to get the winter curation, unlock year-round access to a members-only shop, and receive exclusive member benefits. Rachel Zoe's Curator is exclusively offering our listeners 30% off by using the code PODGO30 at Curator.com. That's PODGO30 for $30 off at Curator.com. More than just a box, your trusted partner in living a life well-curated. Alright, so the next song is Coney Island, and this song features The National, which is a band that Taylor's been obsessed with, and Aaron Dessner is also a part of. So, it's sad. It's about lovers who don't treat each other right. And I love the reference to the mall before the internet and the arcade ring. It's really nostalgic, and it just fits in really well. And the saddest thing about the song is when Matt Berninger sings, and when I got to the accident, the sight that flashed before me was your face, and then Taylor sings, but when I walked up to the podium, I think I forgot to say your name. Um, it's awful, and it's kind of a miscommunication that ruins relationships. Like, you may actually love a person and think about them a lot, but if you forget to tell them or you don't show them or you don't say it, it's like you may as well have not thought about them ever for all that you've showed them. You know, it's so tragic. Miscommunication is, like, one of the scariest things for me in a relationship, and it's something that at all costs I, like, try and avoid, um, which sometimes ends up, you know, I, I talk too much, you know, I say too much, um... But yeah, I, don't, I never want someone to think, if I love someone, I never want them to think that I don't. Um, I'm really scared of losing someone. Um, you know, not because we didn't love each other, but because we forgot to say it, you know. And, um, you know, let that insecurity of being unloved by the person, it let it run the relationships. Um, so thanks, Taylor, for showing me my greatest fears come to life in beautiful song form. Um, very much appreciated and also terrifying. But yeah, it's just so upsetting. It's just very sad. It's like things that you forget, you know, you forget to show someone you love them. You forget to, um, tell them. And so, you know, I'd rather a relationship end because, you know, you're not the right fit for each other. You don't love each other as much as you thought, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'd hate to think that there's just too much silence in a relationship, you know, of people who love each other. Um, so yeah, that song was very, it was again, melancholy, sad, um, just kind of, you know, and it hit me kind of hard because it's like, that's one of my greatest fears. So, Coney Island, it sounds very, you know, beautiful, unassuming, blah, blah, blah. It's sad. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I love this song though. 
Okay, so the next one is Ivy. Uh, this song has really strong Invisible String vibes um, from Folklore. And it also reminds me of Getaway Car when there's like a love triangle. Uh, it's actually kind of upbeat, which is weird because I, when I saw the name Ivy, I was like, ooh, it's going to be like strings and romance and romance, not romance. Um, but yeah, and it's also weird because if you read the lyrics without listening to the song, it seems like it would be a really slow song, you know? I mean, it's about an affair, so you'd think it wouldn't be so happy. Um, but yeah, apparently affairs make you happy. I don't know. Not, that's not true. So, don't be an affair, guys. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like painting the picture of an accidental affair. So, um, maybe that's why it sounds so light and almost like it's just a daydream. But it's actually real. So, I feel like this, um, next to, uh, what's it, illicit affairs would be a very weird thing. It would be like, the beginning stages of an affair would be Ivy. And it would just be like, you know, like, oh, puppy love. And just like, haha, we're just playing around, whatever. And then, illicit affairs is like you know, this is kind of the lie that Taylor, uh, refers to in Illicit Affair. She says, like, it shows its truth one single time, but it lies, and it lies, it lies, I think. I think that's the lyrics. But, um, this is, like, I don't know, this is the lie of, like, affairs are, like, you know, harmless and, you know, whatever. And then in Illicit Affairs, it's, like, they're not. Like, don't be a cheater. Don't be in an affair. So, um, in this song, there's a banjo, which is really fun. And it has, it has that, like, same small town aspect to it that a lot of these songs seem to have. Um, I feel like it's, like, the small town of, like, Taylor's imagination. But I love that because I feel like in a lot of country songs, especially in Taylor's old country songs, it refers to a small town. And I feel like she's kind of, um, referring back to, like, being young, being in high school when she was, like, writing songs like that, and, you know, being a young adult writing songs like that, and I just think that that's really cool. So, this song was surprisingly lighthearted, but also I really enjoyed the, um, imagery in the song. Okay, so the next song is called Cowboy Like Me, and obviously, because of the title, it is kind of a country song. It does sound western, uh, which is cool. And it also reminds me of Getaway Car with the lyrics saying, you're a cowboy like me in this song, and then in Getaway Car saying, we were Jet Set, Bonnie, and Clyde. And so it's like there's a shared identity in something that's like maybe a little bit reckless and not totally innocent, you know, you're going to rob people or you're going to um, have a shootout in the middle of, you know, town or whatever. Um, so something that's a little more on the dangerous side. Um, but, you know, you find that connection in that, so that's kind of interesting. Um, I feel like this could have a great music video. I feel like a music video for this song could totally take place in a saloon. Like, um, if you've ever seen Lindsey Sterling's Roundtable Rival, uh, music video, that takes place in a saloon, and I feel like that could, this song, Cowboy Like Me, could definitely take place in, like, the same saloon as Roundtable Rival, so, uh, that would be cool. Um, side note, I really like the guitar solo in the song. I think it's a great guitar solo. I think it's it's interesting and adds a little more interest to the song. Um, and in the release for the album, which further backs up my getaway car parallel, uh, Taylor describes the song as two con artists falling in love while hanging out at fancy resorts, trying to score rich romantic beneficiaries. So yeah, it's also really cool to note that the backing vocals of this song are sung by Marcus Mumford, who is the lead singer of Mumford and Sons, which to me is a little bit random, but also pretty cool. Um, I know in, like, the YouTube premiere for Willow, the music video, uh, Taylor was saying that 
you know, watch out for the backing vocals in Cowboy Like Me because it's someone that I've admired for, like, a very long time. Uh, so watch out for that. So, yeah, this song was pretty cool, and I do like kind of the, um, not necessarily, like, edgy, but kind of, like, um, I don't know, like, I don't know, bandit vibe, I guess, from the song. It's kind of interesting. Alright, so the next song is Long Story Short, and this is a song that also really stood out to me in the album. I really love this song. It's a narrative about Taylor's, like, bad time in 2016 or 17, and it's really cool to hear talk about something that was so hurtful at the time in, like, a pretty upbeat, casual song. Uh, the chorus in this is so, so catchy. There's definitely a sense of humor and, like, sarcasm in the lines, it was a bad time and it was the wrong guy. I especially love that it was the wrong guy, um, so sorry to the wrong guy, but, like, it's kind of funny. It's like, yeah, huh the wrong guy you know and then there's actually a pretty vulnerable admission when she says she thought that she must look better from the rear view it like comes after the really catchy chorus of like meh and then it's like actually uh, I thought I might have looked better from the rear view you know um I feel like that's really terrible you know that someone would think that and she's mentioned in several songs that she thought she'd just end up alone and so the contrast of her feeling like she found her guy is great for that it's like oh yeah I feel like I feel I feel like I would end up alone, but hey, I found love, you know. Uh, the bridge in this is great, and she gives advice to her past self, so I'm just going to read it because it's really awesome. So she says, Past me, I want to tell you not to get lost in these petty things. Your nemeses will defeat themselves before you get a chance to swing. And he's passing by, rare as the glimmer of the comet in the sky, and he feels like home if the shoe fits, walk in it everywhere you go. Which is basically just saying, don't lose the stuff that you care about, and, you know, if you get something like that, you know, keep it around, um, yeah, so I really love this song, and the hindsight it provides for a time that was the worst time from a time that's, like, so much better, I just love that, and I love how the last line is, long story short, I survived, <laughs> it's really satisfying, and I remember I, like, actually cheered out loud when she ended with that, I was like, yes, you did it, you know, um, and I just like the song. I think it's great. And it's cute. And it is full of wisdom. But it's also just like super, super catchy. I'm definitely going to have this like stuck in my head. Like starting right now. <laughs> and so coming down from a very cute song to something that's a little sad. Actually a lot sad. Is uh, Marjorie. So this song is about Taylor's grandmother who was an opera singer. And she died in 2003. And apparently uh, Taylor and her grandmother were very close. And I love how the song opens with the lines, never be so kind, you forget to be clever. Never be so clever, you forget to be kind. It's just, it's great advice. Um, I lost my grandparents, both sets, at a relatively young age. So the song is really special to me. It hits home. Um, I find that as I grow older, I appreciate the time I had with them, like, even more. And, you know, I guess that's just, you know, the thing about maturing and, um, you know, just appreciating people. And so I wish you know, more and more that I could have learned more from them, and I, you know, remembered them even more vividly and had more time, and so the lines, I complained the whole way there, the car ride back and up the stairs, I should have asked you questions, I should have asked you how to be, asked you to write it down for me, they're so relatable because there are so many questions that I'd love to ask my grandparents, and sometimes you regret the childish things you do when they were still around, you know, 
and I was a child, and so it wasn't necessarily immaturity, it's just childishness, and so it was really touching in the song when Taylor sung the line, if I didn't know better, I think you were singing to me now, and all of a sudden you hear opera in the background, so fun fact, apparently the backing vocals of the song is actually her grandmother's voice, ugh, like that makes it so sad, but also like gorgeous, and so it's crazy the amount of detail that goes into these songs. You know, if you want to get a fuller picture of the song, go watch the lyric video. That has home videos of her grandmother, you know, playing in the background, and it's a great video. Um, yeah, but if your grandparents are still around, tell them you love them and ask them questions about their life growing up and anything you want to know and just appreciate the heck out of them. So, yeah. Alright, so the next song is called Closure. So this song is pretty interesting because I am assuming it's about her record label and her master situation. Um, so Taylor's former record label is called Big Machine, and the song opens with this, like, drumbeat noise that kind of persists throughout the song, but right when I heard it, I was like, it's machinery. It's literally a big machine. Um, to me, it sounds exactly like a loud, noisy big machine, so I'm really not sure I'm, I'm sure I'm not making stuff up, um, but, you know, if that was the intention, I think it's a really cool addition. You know, it's something that I would love to, you know, add into a song. Um, but yeah, it's, Lyrically, it sounds like her label is trying to provide some sort of, like, closure or to remain, like, friends or at least, like, friendly acquaintances and just kind of, like, smooth everything over without actually, like, fixing anything. And Taylor's saying that she doesn't need that and she just wants to make a break, you know? She doesn't want all of these niceties and little, like, I don't know, like, stupid things that don't actually help, you know? And so, I love how she says, don't treat me like a situation that needs to be handled. Um, that really signifies that it's, like, completely impersonal, the way everything is being handled in a situation that used to be, like, the most personal relationship in her life. Um, so, it is kind of reminiscent of someone who's just annoyed with their ex, trying to dance around their breakup and be friends and just make everything, like, okay, in quotes. Uh, when all they really want is to just, like, never talk to them again and make a clean break and be on their own, you know, I feel like there are some situations where that's really all you need, you know, you just need to, like, admit things are not okay, and that's okay, but I don't want to pretend like everything is fine and, you know, like, we're all on good terms and whatever when there's just, like, this tension under the surface and everything is not fine, um, so she, she's, literally just saying, I don't need your closer. Um, so yeah, I thought that that was a pretty interesting take and I don't really feel like she's being mean about it. She's not like, you know, go away. I don't need your closure. She's just kind of like, stop it. You know, not everything is okay. And that's fine. Just stop trying to make it okay. Cause it's not. And stop trying to give me closure. I found it on my own. I don't need your help. So yeah, I thought that, that was a really cool perspective. Okay, so this is the last song on the record. Um, it is called Evermore. It is the title track. So, um, pretty interesting that it's the last song. But it opens with this repetitive piano melody that is apparently played by William Bowery, who is actually Taylor's boyfriend, Joe Alwyn. So that is awesome. I think that's great. Um, he also helped her write a few songs on this album and then also a few on Folklore. So the song talks about the pain Taylor was going through and how it felt like it would last forevermore. Like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I see no way out of it. It's just, this is my life, you know? And it really does sound like depression. Um, so this song also features Justin Vernon of Bon Iver. Okay, so on um, side note, I think that's how you pronounce their band's name. Like, 
Bon Iver. I used to call it Bon Iver, but then I think I heard someone who, like, actually, you know, knew what they were talking about say Bon Iver. So, uh, Justin Vernon, you're not listening, but I'm just going to apologize anyway if I butchered your band's name. Um, but I think it's Bon Iver. Tell me if I'm right. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm fine with either, so whatever. Um, anyway, so Justin also sang on Exile, but this time he's, like, in a higher range instead of the super deep voice he gave to Exile, so I think it's interesting because the moment Justin starts singing, the tempo of the song speeds up, and there's, like, a dialogue between him and Taylor, again, like there was in Exile, where she is saying that she's thinking about her lover, and that got her out of her dark days, um, when before it was just slow and hopeless and whatever, and then the moment his voice enters the picture, it's like, oh, like, I can think about him, and I'm able to get out of it, whatever, then in the last chorus, she starts to think the pain wouldn't last forevermore, so that's kind of how it ends, I think it's a great way to end the album, and something I love that is throughout the song, the piano, the the piano melody, sorry, I've been talking for too long, so I'm, like, butchering everything, um, but the piano melody is, like, the same throughout the song, but the lyrics take a lighter turn, and so I think in my overtly analytical mind um, that it's like life goes on, but your outlook is brighter. Um, so I felt like that was a great ending. So I really, really enjoyed this. It was a great ending to the album. I feel like the opener for the album was positive, and then the closing of the album was positive. Whereas in <laughs> in folklore, the opening was sad, and the ending was sad. So yeah. Okay, guys, that is my track-by-track review of Taylor's album, Evermore. Uh, Go listen to it if you haven't. It's amazing. But I would love to hear your thoughts, so definitely tell me what you think. Um, Yeah, but apparently I want to end with something interesting. Um, There's a theory that I kind of believe that Taylor will release a third album to go along with, like, Folklore Evermore. Um... And people think it's called Woodvale because apparently on some photo for uh, folklore, there was some words like hidden kind of in the trees of uh, the words Woodvale. And then also Taylor is selling some merch that is blue, green, and uh, red. And I feel like they're like she released some candles and one of them was red for folklore one of them was green for evermore and the blue one has not been released yet um and so people are like well duh she's releasing you know another album uh called woodvale and i kind of believe it and also the cardigans she released a gray version a regular original version from folklore and a red version and so we've gotten the red and the original but where's the gray so I feel like she's releasing another album probably in like five months or whatever. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Tell me your thoughts on that too because that is also really, really interesting. And I would love to have another album. But yeah, so uh, I will catch you next week for another episode. Probably not Taylor Swift focused, but there you go. But yeah, give me a review if you liked it. Go follow me on Instagram. All of that information is down below in the show notes. So yeah, I'll talk to you next week. Hope you have a great week. Bye.